This episode is a repost. The stand is taking a break for the Christmas holiday period, and we are posting some of our favourite episodes from our back catalogue. You can find more at the stand with AimonDunphy.com. Have a lovely Christmas and a happy new year. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, uh... With no football being on, um, many people, uh, most notably uh, the BBC on Match of the Day on Saturday night, Gary Lineker, Ian Wright and Alan Shearer have had some really interesting programmes talking about uh, the past uh, and indeed I've done some myself with John and Liam uh, which have been wonderful. And today I'm going to talk to John and Liam and we're all going to talk about the dream we had as kids. Uh, to go to England, to play for uh, the big clubs um, and every Irish kid who ever played football, certainly most of them who were any good, always dreamt, I think, of going to England, going to one of the big clubs and Liam and John uh, both realised that ambition and indeed I did myself. Uh, uh, so I, I'm happy to welcome John and Liam to the stand, uh, John, uh, you were be, you were the first, of course, and you went to England. I think around nineteen fifty six, was it? Yeah, I went uh, actually. I went to United um, there for for a month at nineteen fifty five. Yes, right, because Billy Bean, as you know, was the was the scout for Manchester United. He was actually friends with my father for years. Uh, he was the scout. And uh, I'd been playing schoolboy football for a few years. And I think it was a way of connecting me with the club because I think there were one or two other clubs interested in me. Yes. So they, they, they let me, they, they brought, sent me over to uh, Manchester uh, at, at 55 when I was 14. Yeah, for a kind of holiday, come have a look at the club yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was starting the pre-season training name. And as a kid, as you said, yeah. you know, I was always a Manchester United supporter from the time I was a kid because the great Jackie Carey, Played for Manchester United when they won the cup in 1948. Yeah. So from a distance, I was following Manchester United. So it was a dream come true when my father told me that Manchester United wanted me to wanted me to go over. Yeah. Uh, at that particular time, and it, as you know, it was the time of the Busby Babes. This was 1955. 
pre-season training. They won the league that year, didn't they? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. And it, I was obviously watch, able to watch the practice matches, Eamon. Yes. You know, Duncan Edwards and yeah. Tommy Taylor and David Pegg, all these great players that I only read, read about. Liam Whelan would have been there as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, Liam was there. Liam, Liam, Liam Whelan, uh, Tommy Hamilton, a lad called Jackie Scott, looked after me yes. yeah. while I was there. Yeah. Very, very, they were very kind to me. Uh, Tommy Hamilton, we know Liam was, was killed in the Munich and Tommy Hamilton was just, when, had to go back to Shamrock Rovers because he was called up for the army and he wasn't really, he was only in the A team at that particular time. Yes. Lovely man, still alive, and I wish him all the best if he's listening yeah, to the programme. He had a great career with Rovers in the League of Ireland, he was a wonderful yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that was my first connection going over to, to uh, Manchester United. And it was it was a dream come true. And then eventually, the following year, nineteen fifty six, I went I went back on a permanent basis. Yeah. Now you were such a great schoolboy player, John. Uh, you, I, your father ran a team, the Leprechauns. Um, you played for them, uh, and everyone in Dublin knew about you uh, long before you were fourteen. Uh, just because you were such a great player, you were always going to go away. You knew that, did you? Well. I didn't know. I mean, I mean, I was only playing football the same as everybody else. Uh, I, I didn't know uh, that I, I wanted to go. I wanted to play for Manchester United, right? Uh, because of, because of Jackie Carey, as I said before. But I never thought about it at that particular time. I mean, it was a huge surprise to me when my father told me when I was fourteen that Manchester United would take me over. Unbelievable surprise. Yeah. Uh, at that particular time, to to do that, you know. Yeah, uh, Liam. Uh, you know, you come from a great footballing family. Your older brothers, um, Ray and Pat, went away to play, and um, both of them, incidentally, for Millwall. I think at some at different times. Um, now you were a Manchester United fan as well, and you went. I think you were you would have gone maybe ten, fifteen years after John. Um, how soon did you start to really dream? Uh, and aspire to going away uh, to play. Who did you play for at school? It was Kevin's, wasn't it? St. Kevin's up in Whitehall, yeah. yeah. Allenfield Park, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were a relatively young club at the time. Um, they started mid-50s. Um, but the, they weren't one of the better clubs. One of the, you know, the best clubs were either uh, Home Farm or Stella Mars, best yeah. schoolboy clubs. And my all, all my brothers, uh, I was a bit of a surprise when I came along. Yeah. Because my brothers were 20 years older than me, 19 years older than me. And Frank, Frank, uh, yeah, who was next to me, was eight years older than me. So I was a bit of a surprise coming along when I did. Yeah. Uh, but I played for Kevin's because they were a new club right on my doorstep. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, a bit like John. You know, uh, I was playing for a really good Kevin's team. We were winning a lot of things. And, you know, we knew that. You know, there was lads from Kevin's and previous. There was a lad called Damien Ferguson. Uh, yes, was, I remember Kevin Damien. He, he, he was about four or five years older than me, but he he went to Man United as a schoolboy. So we uh, we saw him do it, and we had these dreams. You know that we were we were uh, as as you you called them dreams that we were going to get the call. You see, yes. Uh, and I was doing doing quite well, and there was a bit of interest. And Billy Bean was. Uh, was still the Man United scout at the time and, and went on for a long time being Man United scout and a bit like you and John uh, he, he he 
he got to know me and he was he kept saying, you know, uh, I'll get you over, I'll get you over, don't worry, just be patient, just be patient. So I kind of had it in my mind I was going to, at some stage, go, you know. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, the way it uh, transpired for me, I mean, was... Uh, 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 Bill Darby, who became the Arsenal scout, was kind of on trial as an Arsenal scout, and they sent over a Welsh scout. Arsenal did because uh, yeah. Bill Bill had said, "Look, Manchester United have the have the run of the place here." Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, they they get all the best players to go to Old Trafford. Um, so Gordon Clark, the chief scout at Arsenal at the time, said, "Well, this is interesting. I'll send somebody over to check this guy out." And Bill Darby met this Malwin Roberts, who was a scout from North Wales, who Gordon Clark had, had you know, thought was one of his better scouts. And yes. uh, he, Bill brought him to one of our matches and said, you know, there's some good players in this Kevin's team. And that's how it happened for me. The next minute, two scouts were knocking on the door and, um, and they were inviting me to Arsenal for a trial. Yeah, and of course... But at that time as well, though... Uh, yeah. uh, Bunny Fulham was also a scout for Coventry. Yeah. Bunny had been a League of Ireland player. My brother, my brothers knew him. He was in there around the same age. Yes, and he was also a friend of the family. You see, yeah. And he'd taken Jimmy Holmes over to Coventry when he was a kid. Yes, and and Jimmy, Jimmy was doing well. And you know, Bunny was. They were the two scouts that were in and about the place. Billy Bean and uh, yes. and, and Bunny Fulham. Yeah, and uh, Bunny. Um, was a great character. He was a friend of my own father's because uh, we lived opposite Tolka Park. Bunny was a great player for drums uh, and he used to kick lumps out of Liam Toohey who was the great player for, well, Rovers had many great players and they had a great team. But Bunny was a character, um, a great character really, uh, God rest him. Uh, and he was very friendly with my father. But I knew him very well. Um <laughs> but uh, when he was trying to, and Coventry, which we should say, Liam, uh, I think Jimmy Hill might have been the manager around that time. And they no, were. Do you know who was manager? Do you know who was manager? Emma? It was Noel Cantwell. Yeah, right. Now they were yeah. they were a first division club. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Noel Cantwell and Bunny, I think, knew one another. You yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bunny, Bunny would be at a lot of my games, and you know, he'd be he'd be saying hello to me and so forth, and he'd be saying, <laughs> "I'll be sending you over soon." A bit like Billy B, and be sending you over. But Arsenal got him first, you see. And and Bunny, Bunny thought I was I was uh, uh, he had a good chance of getting me, you know. Yes. And in fact, when he heard that I, uh, I was going to Arsenal and Arsenal were keen to sign me when I was leaving school at 15, Bunny yeah. tried to bribe my mother with a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and very it? nearly succeeded, I mean. Very nearly, <laughs> very nearly pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, was, I wasn't offered a washing machine, uh, Liam. I think, I no, think... well, you see, you were, you, I was going to ask you, John, you were going to Old Trafford when, you know, they had uh, an abundance of young players, didn't, oh. didn't you? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. They had the pick of Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales at that time, Liam. Yeah. So when you, went, when, when, you, when you first went over for that month, did you, when, mm. how did you travel? Did you go by airplane? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Funny, it's a funny story, Liam. Like Manchester United never threw the money around at all. I was sent over they didn't on the have to, did they? they didn't have to, John. No, no. Yeah. I, w- I would have gone anywhere. I was only 14. I went over on the, the Leinster or Munster boat. Yeah. Liam, to right? Liverpool. To Liverpool, right? 
And my mother put a pound, well, I don't know where she got the pound from, a pound note stuck inside my pocket in case anything happened. And I never realised at the time when I was doing this, only afterwards, I had to get down from Liverpool, I'm from the boat to Lime Street, obviously from Lime Street to Manchester Central, where a man called Joe Armstrong <laughs> was waiting to meet me. Wow. Now, yeah. I was only a young fella, and the only time I got a bit scared of it at all was about 10 minutes coming into Manchester when I thought, it just, it just crossed my mind, I'd never met Joe Armstrong before. <laughs> yeah. What's going to happen if he doesn't recognize me and I don't <laughs> recognize him? I'm going to be stuck in Manchester. Wouldn't, I wouldn't know anybody know where to go. That was the only time I got scared. But I, I, really, I thought afterwards, what, you know, why didn't they fly me over from Dublin to Manchester? Oh, why weren't there someone there at Liverpool off the boat to pick you up in a car and <laughs> take you to Manchester? You know, I tell you, <laughs> but this was fifty-five. Crazy, you know, you know <laughs> it's crazy when you think we were just kids. We were, yeah, we're, absolutely. My, my, uh, Eamon, I don't know. You're going to tell us what happened to you, but yeah. mine was a doddle compared to John's. Mine was a doddle compared to John's. Yeah, well, going I mean, forward. you and I think it was probably around seventy-one, seventy-two. Was it Liam? Yeah, I went seventy-one. Yeah, seventy-one. Yeah. But well, I, what year did you go? I went in nineteen sixty, and the the thing was that I was kind of um, uh, iffy. Billy Bean was coming round. He it, the, when I knew we we always knew when Billy Bean was at the matches as schoolboys. And I played. Yeah, the, the word went around, didn't it? Yes. The word went around. Yeah, and Billy, Billy was a quietly spoken man. He was a bookie who stood at the dogs in Shelburne Park and Harles Cross. And he also worked for the Glass Bottle Company. Now, uh, I was one of those players, like I was playing for Stella Maris. Um, I was a good player. I played for the Irish schoolboy team in the end. I, but I was fighting for that spot in the Irish schoolboy team with Paddy Mulligan. But I got it. Um, Paddy was a more wing half type, but it was between the two of us. But anyway, Billy would come to the matches for a couple of years, really. Uh, now, he could have been watching anyone. Stella had, we had a good team. Homeform and Stella were the best two teams of that of those years. But anyway, um, every time Billy walked in to Stella's ground, or if he was in the Phoenix Park, you'd know, wouldn't you? You'd get the, the vibe would be around. The vibe, yeah, the word would go around, yeah. 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 So yeah. you were kind of aware of that. But he, he my mother, um, he arrived at my house um, in Richmond Road, off to Talker Park, the Christmas before I was went away, when I was 14 and a half, uh, and before the Irish schoolboy team had been picked or anything, and he, my mother was in on her own, and he said, Mrs. Dunphy, uh, my name is Billy Bean, I'm a scout for Manchester United, and he presented her with a turkey and a bottle of, <laughs> bottle of sherry, now, we'd never had a turkey. My dad used to have to go down on Christmas Eve and hopefully get a chicken. But anyway, we, it was the first turkey. Saying. So when my father came home from work, God rest the two of them, she said, Paddy, there's a man after coming here and giving me a turkey. Uh, and he's talking about Manchester United. What's all that about? So my father said, well, he's a scout and, and he might want Eamon to go to to uh, to Manchester. I mean, when my mother was horrified, um, and I know I'm going to come to John in a moment because anyway, my mother was horrified. She hated him from that moment. But she said to me uh, the next morning when we got walking up to school, she said, 
Why are you going to England to play football? So there's loads of football here. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it's Manchester United. And she was really disturbed. It was a very disturbing experience. And anyway, uh, Billy was not a welcome visitor uh, from that point onwards. But of course, I was thrilled uh, beyond belief. John, your mother didn't like Billy either, did she? Oh, she, she hated him. <laughs> <laughs> she, she hated... I was going away when I was 40. Well, I was for good for 14. Yeah. But, 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 but Billy had a very strong connection with my father because Billy played for Manchester United at one he time. Did, yeah, he was a goalkeeper. Yeah. As a goalkeeper. And uh, he was pally with my father before... Uh, for a few years because he was in the football scene as, as it were you know yeah. when it was more it was smaller in those days so he was sort of pally with Billy Bean before I ever came along but I think Billy Bean came up to the house once yes I, I don't think he ever came up again and uh, well my mother wouldn't be she wouldn't be getting on to him but but she, I know she hated him because yeah. Not because he was a bad man or anything, but he was he was he he was taking her son away yeah. to Manchester. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so so that was it. I mean, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, I I I, I was like you and Liam. Yeah. I was I was only too too pleased, delighted. Yeah. Uh, uh, to 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 be gone to uh, to Manchester. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I went. I just tell you quickly the story. Anyway, I got my schoolboy cap. Uh, and we drew with England in Talker Park, and we I think we beat Wales in, in Cork. Um, and anyway, I, the the night of the game in, in Talker Park was lashing rain, but I knew at that stage I was going to Manchester, but I was only going for a two-week trial. And there was two other guys going. Jim Kyo was a home farm player. He was played in the Irish schoolboy team. He was, it was just after, two years after the Munich air crash, and they were saying around town that Jim Kyo, who's a big, strong lad from Home Farm, was the new Duncan Edwards. And another lad called Huey Curran, who was a character. Huey was two years older than us, but Huey was gone as well. So the three of us were all gone together. But after the match in Talker Park, I only lived across the road. And Bill Shankly was there around the dressing rooms in Talker. And he came up to me and he said, uh, young man, come here. And I, I, I knew he said, I'm Bill Chankler, I'm manager in Liverpool. And they were in the second division at the time. He said, I think you've got a great future in the game. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Shankly, I'm going to Manchester. And I, I walked away from him. And that was uh, a big mistake, I think. But the point uh, of the story really was it was that informal. Uh, and the, it goes to the point about Billy being really. Uh, having all the territory covered and getting players away as he did. But I went to Manchester. The first time they they flew us. Now, I was going for a two-week trial. So the three of us went to Dublin Airport, never been near a plane or an airport for that matter, and we went straight there. Uh, but we were um, in the airport in Manchester. We didn't know what to do. How do we get to Old Trafford? Uh, and who is this man, Joe Armstrong? Same guy. Um, but we got there in the end, but it was very, very messy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And I just want to ask you, John, and then but you, Liam, as well. I mean, John, you and I ended up in the same lodging house. Uh, Mrs. Burgess, tell me what you were told you'd would happen to you. Uh, you'd be treated like a king, and there'd be nothing to worry about, and what actually happened. Yeah, I, I was with Mrs. Mrs. Rob. I actually went away with Jackie Hennessy. Do you remember Jackie Hennessy? I do, Hennessy? yeah. I do, yeah. He was a farmer uh, we, later on in life. Yeah. He played for Shells later. He played for Shells. He came back to Shells. He, yeah. he, we, we went together. He was in the Schoolboy International team. Uh, the two of us were in the Schoolboy International team uh, when we went away. Uh, so we were in digs with, with uh, Mrs. Robin Strafford. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, the promise was that, um, you know, the digs would be checked out. And somebody would go around every every so often to see exactly how you were getting on. Yeah. Right? Never saw anybody, Eamon. No. <laughs> not, not a sinner. Not a sinner. No. And uh, it, it, that was it. It was it the was survival of the fittest. Yeah, and I mean, when you went there, John, in the mid-50s, they'd still have been on rations post-war. Uh, they used to oh, yeah, have yeah. a blue ration book. Yeah. I'd say the grub wouldn't have been great. no. And uh, you, I have found with the exam, and they used to start off okay, but the longer you were there, the worse it got. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in a position, actually, with my father. You knew my father quite did, well. Yeah, my did. father wanted me to be a good footballer, and he wanted me to be to learn a trade. So when I actually went to Manchester first, Emin, at the first year I was there, I worked in a, an engineering factory in, in uh, Altrincham. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I was up early every morning, and... Uh, 
the, the grub wasn't wasn't great. But I think when you were in the exam, and you were always going to be hungry. Yeah, you were yeah. always going to be hungry because it was. Uh, we were living with with with, with, with a Irish woman actually. So they're out to make a few bob. Yeah, you know they're not they're not out there to be looking after you. So no. I found that the, uh, the longer it went. The, the dinners got less and less. Yeah. So lucky enough, we, we we had a few bob to go to the fish and chipper in the evening time. When you went, Liam, in 71, um, would it have been better? Oh, no. So much better, you know. Really? Uh, so much better, yeah. So much better. It was still a big deal leaving home at 15. Yeah. But we were on a plane. Uh, I went with a lad called Martin Cuff. Uh, I think he played for Villa uh, up in uh, Crumlin. Yeah. And uh, um, we, w- we went. Re- I'd been going to Arsenal since I was 13, you see. Okay. Uh, uh, and I'd been going on holidays and uh, school holidays and things. At Christmas time, uh, you know, two two brand new pairs of football boots would arrive in a parcel for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got football boots every six months. They were keeping me sweet, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, 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 when I went at 15, we were on a plane, and I knew where I was going. I'd already stayed in the digs. They were season ticket holders at Arsenal. Uh, they weren't, like John is saying, they weren't in it for the money, you know. No. They were in it because they were big Arsenal fans. Right. And that's what Arsenal tried to do. And I think Arsenal gave them a couple of season tickets to look oh, wow. after the boys. Yeah. So it was compared to what John is describing. Mine was a doddle. There was a car to pick me up at Heathrow, wow. take me to the digs, yeah. set me in, so forth. Yeah. And they, they didn't go around and check the digs. They didn't have to. The boys had stayed there before. They knew yes. Mr. and Mrs. Rowland, uh, they were called. Yeah. They were they were smashing. And he was like a, a, another father to me uh, for a couple of years. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, at an Arsenal match over at Stamford Bridge, he took a heart attack and died. Uh, so I had yeah. to move digs. Uh, well, that's another story. Yeah, uh, but compared to what John is describing, and uh, maybe you'll tell us what happened to you, Aim. I went to a lovely home, great grub, only a few minutes from, few minutes walk from Highbury, and uh, they settled me in brilliantly. Yeah, well, we were taken when we arrived at Old Trafford. We were taken uh, by Joe Armstrong, who was uh, is a legendary figure in the Manchester United story. He was the the, the scout, the chief, it's the so called scout. He was in charge of all the, the the scouts like Billy Bean all around, and they had, as John said, they had the pick of the whole of the British Isles, uh, post Munich uh, and pre Munich. But we were taken to a place, and we were, had been told, my mother had been get, and father given assurances, don't worry, uh, this is the biggest club in the world, this is the greatest club in the world. So they took the three of us with our bags, our little bags, you know, I think you could have put everything in one suitcase between the three of us, but they took us to a place just beside the ground, um, and we walked around the corner, and there's a woman who ran the place called Mrs. Burgess. And we went in to the backyard and then into a long room, which was a kitchen, a kitchenette, but it was quite long. And there was sitting at the table, there was 12 lorry drivers eating their lunch. <laughs> and they were eating, they were having sausage rolls and spam and awful stuff uh, and drinking big mugs of tea. And we looked at each other and we thought, holy God, because the one thing Irish families would always have a decent bit of food, even if you were poor, and we sat down and we were waiting to meet Mrs. Burgess. And she said, ah, there you are. Don't worry, I look after you and all of that. So we'd come home, we came, we went, we went off, we came home 
uh, and we got our dinner, and our dinner was scrambled eggs, uh, and that was it. Um, spam, scrambled eggs, uh, pretty rough living, because uh, just around Old Trafford there is not exactly... Uh, then we moved up in the world. There was better digs. Actually, John was very kind to me and helped me, and we found better digs um, in the end, but it was rough. I mean, we were hanging out. George Best came. George came, John, um, and did exactly what you did. He came a year after me. He went and worked in Trafford Park for two years as an office waller, you know, in an office. And just, yeah, what was the money then? What money were you getting? Two jobs? Where Was United giving you some money and you getting some money as an apprentice in this engineering company, John? Yeah. Well, what happened there, uh, Liam, it was funny that you mentioned that. Uh, financially, at that stage, it was, it was okay because... Uh, they were sending three. They were paying the digs. They were sending three quid home to my mother, and I was earning two fifty in the job. Yeah, right. Uh, which was which was good for the year. The problem was when I signed pro, I got less money. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> and they stopped paying days, your mother. Paying, and they stopped paying your mother, did they? Oh yeah, and stopped paying the digs. Right. So I was, and those days it was eight quid in the in the in the winter and seven quid in the summer. So even with the eight quid, there was a pound tax on that. So you had seven quid. So there was three quid going home to my mother, three quid digs. So I was left with a quid. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was, I got seven, we got seven pound, 10 shillings. Four quid was for the landlady. Um, and I was supposed to send two pound home, which would have made a big difference. And that would have left me with one pound, 10 shillings. But unfortunately, I met Barry Fry. <laughs> and, unfortunately for your mother. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for everybody. And betting shops had just opened. Gus, Gus Demi, who was a very famous Manchester bookmaker, the betting shop act came in. And in 1960, the year I arrived in England, betting shops started to open. So we get our wages, me and Barry, uh, on a Thursday. And um, by... Uh, Thursday, Friday night, it was all gone. And we were really rough. We were going to the dogs. He was a very bad influence on me. <laughs> and he said, he said you were a bad influence on him. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone. But there was one other funny thing I'll tell you. that, that Myself, Jim Kyo, and Hugh, Huey Curran went into the same digs. And Jim was a lovely, well-brought-up fella, um, uh, very clean, very stylish. He wore the best clothes, and he was a, he was a bit of a dandy, and he was lovely. Um, and Huey and me were a bit rough, and Huey was dog rough. God rest him. <laughs> he is alive, I think, but he was kind of rough and ready fella. He was two years older than us, and a great ladies' man. But anyway, one weekend, um, Jim had a wardrobe full of gear, and it was great. Uh, one weekend, Jim went home to Dublin. And he went after the match on a Saturday. So Saturday night, me and Huey were going out. And Huey had a, a bird he was after. And he, he didn't have anything to wear. So he went into Jim's wardrobe. And Jim, he got Jim's best suit. <laughs> and he put it on. Uh, and off we trotted into town. And he got lipstick and every kind of stuff on the suit. Anyway, Jim came back on Monday morning. <laughs> and he said... What's happened to me suit? And I said, Huey wore it out on Saturday night. That was a big, big fight um, uh, between the two boys. And we had to split up then and go into different digs. And uh, 
as it happened, Jim never made it he, as a player, but he 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 ended up working in a factory, believe it or not. It's rather sad, actually, when you think about people you were with who had bad experiences, you know, as well as as funny ones. But that's well. Uh, I had my I had my brothers in London, Eamon, which was great uh, yeah. help. You know, Eamon, who you played with, I did. Marist, yes, yeah. He lived over Lewisham Stroke New Crossway. Yes, that's and, uh, no wall he, territory. Millwall, yeah. yeah. In fact, he took me a few times to Millwall to watch you playing yeah. uh, when you were in that early Millwall team with Kitchener and yes. uh, Harry Cripps. the fullback name, Harry Cripps. Harry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he took me to a few games. And then Paddy was living in Chislehurst in Kent. Yes. And Ray had a pub down in Seven Oaks, all yeah. on the south side, uh, Seven Oaks, Kent. Yeah. So I, I, I compared to you two, like I had it so, so much easier because... They were there for me. Eamon used to come to the youth games and then I'd go off with him. Or yes. We'd go down and see Ray to Seven Oaks and stay or stay the weekend with him, you know? So compared to you guys, uh, I had it easy. How did you find England, Liam? Uh, just as in terms of the people and uh, the life compared to Ireland. For example, when did you stop going to Mass? Pretty much straight away, <laughs> John. When did you no, start? I, 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 no, I, I, I kept going, Eamon. Yeah, I kept going until I was twenty-one, actually. And did you keep going to confession? Yeah, you did. Did you? Did you? Did you yeah. have anything to confess? <laughs> well, I, nothing serious, I don't think. Anyway, Eamon, not, I was, I was a good Catholic boy for for for, for a few years. But uh, you talk about going to see when I worked in the in the factory, Eamon, I worked there for twelve months. Yeah, right in the engineering factory, and yeah. I found the English lads brilliant. Yes, I'm they really, were absolutely yeah. great. I mean, I still remember Alan Cook, uh, uh, to, to Alf, Alf Brown. I remember the names; they were terrific lads and yes. and looked after me really well. Yeah. You know, yeah. they took me out to matches and, and that because I was on my own, basically on my own yeah. uh, there. But I found them found them great. And you, you talk about it at that time, that, as you say, there was still rationing in England at that yes. time. Yes, Food-wise. And when I came home, uh, I used to bring, uh, my mother used to give me a lot of stuff to bring over to these lads. And one of them was, was, was uh, tin salmon. Yeah. They couldn't get tin salmon in England, I mean. No, it'd be a, a rare tin. And it was yeah. a huge treat, a huge treat for them. I mean, this, yeah. was, 19, this was 1956, yeah. and, and they still had rationing there. But I found from day one, uh, I found the English lads great. Yeah. And I, the, the story I have to tell about them as well, I mean, when I went there, I was 15, with, with a broad Dublin accent. Yeah. And they had a Manchester accent. Yeah. I couldn't understand the word they said. <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't understand the word I said. Yeah. Right. And I thought, how am I going to get on in this country? Yes. You know, yeah. I was like, like a foreign accent. They were speaking among themselves. Couldn't understand. They couldn't understand me at all. But luckily enough, we got used to, we got used to each other. That and happened that exactly it. to me as well, John, when I <laughs> went into <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah, there was a Scots fella there who I'll never forget him called Drew Rutherford. And he was from around Glasgow or somewhere. And he started speaking to me. And I just kept saying, pardon? You know, pardon? And in the end, I think he told me to feck off. Said, no yeah. You know, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And even the guy picking me up to pick to take me from the airport, he was Ernie Collett. Was, he was one of the scouts. And Ernie was a Londoner. And he was talking to me. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. I didn't understand. And just like you, you you're saying to yourself, how am I going to get over this, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just remembered, sorry, there's a punchline to the story about Jim Keogh and the suit and Huey that I, I forgot. 
You know that little cafe, John, on the bridge, just going over to Old Trafford? There used to be a cafe there. Do you yes, remember? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what really happened, sorry, Liam, uh, I, I usually tell my stories well, but this one, what happened was Jim went home to Dublin for the weekend and Huey was wearing his suit all week, <laughs> all, all weekend. And Huey wore the suit into training on Monday morning. And we were in the cafe, myself and Huey and Barry Fry and a few. And he had Jim's suit on. And Jim arrived in the cafe. And he saw Huey wearing his suit. And it didn't dawn on him for a while. He kept looking at Huey. And he said, hold on a minute. Is that my fucking suit? <laughs> and Huey said, no. <laughs> so there was a mill. There was a mill in the cafe almost. Uh, it's, it's very funny. Sorry to... Liam, I want to ask you and John the same question. I'll ask it to uh, John first because you, you referred to it there earlier. Uh, when you arrived at Old Trafford, John, and all of those great players, uh, Liam Whelan, and uh, so many great players, Duncan Edwards. Yeah. Uh, and did you feel, Jesus, am I going to make it here? Because, I mean, you were great as a schoolboy and you were always, you know, it, 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 you always seemed destined for greatness. Did you ever feel and wonder, um, whew, this is, this is, or did you just play it by ear? No, I was lost, Eamon. Really? I was lost. Really, yeah, uh, because yeah. you had all these great players, as you say. I was quite a shy, shy lad, and yeah. uh, it, there was a Duncan Edward, but it went right down, right down, Eamon. You know what I mean? Yeah, all no. the, like, all the great schoolboys, schoolboy international, schoolboy, but and, and there was no organized training, yeah, you know what I mean? So you went out on the track, the training was you went out on the track and you did that for an hour. There was no, no real supervision. And then they got a couple of balls out and you, you picked two teams and you went around the back. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, there was, there was Duncan Edwards and Tommy Taylor and these guys. I mean, I, I was scared to run past them on the, on the, yeah, on the, track. On the track around yeah. the ground. I was lost. I was absolutely lost. Right. There was no organized training. And I was out of me, you know, in my depth playing in, the, in, the, in these matches. Yeah. I was, only, I was only 15, 16 at the time. Yeah. Uh, when this was happening, you know, and uh, I was just lost. And, and did it cause right you to, to? Did it cause you to wonder? You know, how am I going to get? This is a long, oh, sort of a long road I'm on now. Yeah, definitely. Because what happened was that uh, when, when the, the Jimmy Murphy said it's not a good idea to be working, so they took me out of the factory to train, and it was before I was even seventeen. So yeah. the likes of Jack Hensley were on the ground staff. Should, yeah. I, I would have been fair to go on the ground stop, but I was in training with all these guys, I mean, So I was lost. And and uh, I was lost up to the up to the Munich air disaster, to be quite honest, because yes. that was still happening then. Yeah. And then after the Munich air disaster, you see, they got Jack Crompton. Jack Crompton had been a goalkeeper for Manchester yes. United, who had gone to Luton. Yeah. Right? So when the Munich disaster happened, they brought Jack Jack Crompton back to be the trainer. Right. And it was a blessing for me. He, Jack organized the training as yes. in the group. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. part of a group yeah. training. You yeah. know, and there was Bill Fox. Bill, Bill wasn't the best guy in the well, world, know you know. <laughs> and and, yeah. and he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a bit of a, bit of a bully, like. In, in that. But we, with Jack Crompton after Munich, they used to have this training in a group. And 
Jack had had an expression for it, you know, running on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Now I was only a kid. I didn't know what was on, but I, but I was running on. He said, "Run on the spot." And when 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 he said that, and he said, "Go," I ran forward. Yeah. And who did I run into? <laughs> Bill only <Folks>. Bill Fox. <laughs> He said, you stupid little Irish shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. But at least it was organized training. I yes, mean. yeah. After the Munich air disaster. And, and I, I sort of picked up from that. Yes. But before that, as you say, I was lost, I mean, I was really lost. Right. Uh, uh, before the, 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 the with, with the way it was before the Munich Air Yeah, and Bill Folks had been a minor. He was a big centre half, and I'm sure Manchester yeah. United people who know their stuff will know that Bill Folks went on to have a you know a great career for Manchester United, um, and sadly uh, he died rather young. Liam, one of the things about that experience of going over there at 15 is you go from being a star for Kevin's or in John's case being a star all over Dublin. I mean, certainly he was playing for Stalemars. He was the best schoolboy football in the country. You must have been one of the best of them. I was even, I was, uh, you know, playing for the Irish schoolboy team. And you go over um, and then, you know, going to a club like Arsenal. Did, did you find it uh, difficult, intimidating? Did you ever oh, have Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Because you're, you're all competing to be, you know, to get up the next rung, which would be from the youth team to the reserves. Yeah. Get a place in the youth team to begin with, yep. then to get into the reserves, and then hopefully from the reserves move on to the first team. Um, but I was, always, I was always confident, you know. I had a bit of a wobble at the first Christmas I went home, and I didn't know whether I wanted to go back, and I stayed at home, and I said, I'm, right. I'm not too sure I wanted to go. I, really? I want to go back. Yeah, and uh, I stayed probably an extra couple of weeks, and Arsenal were good. They just said, oh, take your time, think about it. And then when I came back, I I got a bit fed up at home because I missed the training, I missed playing football or, yeah. you know, full-time football. So um, uh, when I went back then, I just got my head down and went on from there. But the, uh, Arsenal just won the double when I joined. Yeah. So there was some, they had a great team. Yeah. Like John would know know them very well they were competing for the league I know when Arsenal won the double they just, I think Leeds missed out on goal difference or something like that so um, uh, they had a lot of good players uh, but things changed quickly you know uh, uh, the, the, the team broke up quickly but there was a, and, and as John said the English lads they were always very good to me as well I remember John Radford Jordy Armstrong they'd pick me up in their cars and take me to training yeah, and things yeah, like that yeah, you know they were yeah. They were smashing lads. Sammy Nelson was a great friend of mine. Sammy was like, on the, uh, he was a, like understudy to Bob McNabb. Bob McNabb yes. was the left back. And Sam, I remember when, in my first few months there, Sammy came up to me and he said, are you Irish? You know, in his Northern yeah. Ireland accent. Yeah. Are you Irish? And I said, yeah. He said, where are you from? He said, I said, uh, uh, I'm from Dublin. He said, what's your name? And I said, uh, Liam Brady, he's a Fenian bastard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he was joking, I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sammy and I became great friends as 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 things moved on. Um, Can you remember your I first got, wage packet, Liam? How much well, was in yeah, it? Yeah, uh, it was about it was about uh, six quid, I think, six quid a week as an apprentice. Wow, uh, that wouldn't yeah, go far um, in London, would it? Well, they paid the digs. Right, you know, okay. they always paid the digs. They paid the digs till you became a pro. Once you were a pro, you had to pay your own digs. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, and then when I turned pro, I, I think I got about forty quid a week. You know, so ten or for the ten or for the landlady and uh, 
and you know, had 30 quid in your pocket, you know? Yes. And I always had my brothers there. If it was any of short, course. you know, any short, they would always weigh in, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so, um, compared to you guys, I had it easy. Uh, but, uh, uh, I was going to ask John, how old were you when you made your debut, John? You got into um, the first team. I was, uh, 18, Liam, because they had, we had the Munich Air disaster in, uh, 58. And I made me debut, and I was seventeen. Then. I made me debut in '59. I was, I was, yeah. yeah, I was eighteen when I made me debut. So after the Munich air disaster, Liam, I'd, I'd, I'd settled in. <clears throat> so, excuse me, I'd settled in by then with the training and all that. And I got into the reserve, into the second team immediately after, because everybody was pushed forward. Yeah, and then yeah, I really came on, yeah, yeah. came on in the, the season after that, Liam, because I was playing regularly in the reserve team. At Manchester, which was very, very good, with, uh, with Mark Pearson and Alec Dawson, and we were top. We won the Central League that year, and uh, then I made my debut uh, in 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 '59. Yeah, when I was 18. Okay, I'd like to ask both of you a question now, um, and it's this: uh, I'll start with you, Liam. Uh, it, knowing if you were living in Dublin today, and you had a young uh, son who was really good. Uh, at football and played for Ireland schoolboys and they they came looking for them as they do and you know better than anyone because you ran the Arsenal youth system for 14 or 15 years would you knowing all the things you know would you be a concerned parent if your son was going uh, to England at the age of 15 no no not at all no Right. Uh, the, the, the the structures and the, the the support are hugely better than they were in our day, and particularly in in your day. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your, your education's looked after. You carry on your education till you're eighteen. Uh, the houses you live in are you know run by people who are interested in the club, and the club look after them to look after the boys. Um, uh, you know, it depends on your character as well. I mean, if you want to get into trouble, you get into trouble, won't you? You know, there's plenty of lads I know who, yeah, who yeah. blew their careers by, you know, being being uh, yes. taking their eye off the ball and not being professional enough and so forth. So uh, I wouldn't be concerned at all, you know. Uh, if, if, if my son uh, was really good academically, you'd have more to think about, I think. But if he had this dream that we all had, that he wanted to be a player, you can't possibly stop them, can you? No, you can't. Uh, just to uh, uh, you knew, and you know what uh, the going rate is now, and we read stories about young kids and their parents getting jobs. I mean, as it's supposed to be a young Irish lad who was, went to Barcelona when he was nine a few years ago, and his parents were taken there. They've got... Uh, I know that happened to Lionel Messi when Barcelona wanted him. You hear stories about vast amounts of money, not a turkey um, or a washing machine. Uh, what is what is the going right now, Liam? Uh, well, you're, if you're the best player in Dublin now, you yeah. know you can expect uh, a professional contract of probably a quarter of a million a year when you turn seventeen. Really? Uh, and that's guaranteed. With, yeah, that'll be guaranteed as you as you sign your what what are they called? They're called scholarships now. The same thing as an apprenticeship, you know. Right. You sign your scholarship forms. As soon as you're seventeen, you'll get 
you know, uh, a profession. They all won't get that kind of money, but if you're no. the best player yes. and other clubs are seeking your signature, yeah. you'll be you'll be in and around a, a quarter of a million as a 17-year-old. Right. And the dad will probably have a car and a house. Uh, not, they won't buy him a house, but they'll let them live in a house, you know? Yeah. There's a lot a lot of uh, uh, players who, who bring their parents with them now, uh, yes. and the club don't have a problem with them, and they'll get the... They'll get the father a job, and they'll get the, uh, uh, the they'll get them a very nice place to live in. That's yeah. the kind of stuff that's going on now. Yeah, uh, so that's accelerated dramatically, and uh, because of the the scarcity, purse of talent, and the competitiveness now. Because when we began to rem- remembering uh, forty minutes ago, we're talking about Billy Bean and Bonnie Fulham. But now, yeah, yeah. But if you if you want to get Cesc Fabregas to leave Barcelona at sixteen, you know yep. you've got to have all these things lined up for a moment, right? Uh, John, yeah. Just to go back to you, uh, um, if Chris or Michael, your sons, had wanted to go uh, to the to if I, I rephrase this question slightly from the one I asked Liam to the world that you and I went into with the greatest the most famous club in the world at that time, Manchester United, with all the assurances we were given, would you be concerned or would you say go for it? Well, well, times have changed, Damon. Are you going back to our I'm day? I'm going back to our day, yes. Well, well, well it, it's not a decision you have to make. I, yeah. I, I mean, if, if, uh, if, if they were as keen to go to England as I was, you then I, stop I certainly wouldn't stop them. Uh, I mean, nowadays it's it's that's not it's it's not even a decision because the lads are well looked looked after. Education is Liam Liam knows better than we do. Uh, you know they've they've got um, uh, uh, hostels now to put the kids in. There's protection. They're well well looked after. Uh, there's education available, yeah. Eamon, as well by yeah. the clubs if you want to to go. Yeah. And also the financial situation would have to come into it. Yeah. I mean, if you have a kid who's really good. Uh, and, is, and as Liam said, are going to be offered, which they are today, uh, contracts, guaranteed contracts, which are 17. Yes. Uh, at the money, at big, big money. Yeah, um, it's life changing. You couldn't refuse that, Em. You wouldn't even have to no. think about it. You'd have to say, okay, off you go. Yeah. Uh, I think I think generally speaking, Eamon, uh, what's happening now is good for the kids and it's good for the parents in many yes. ways for the financial reasons. Yeah. I don't think it's actually good for the young kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, and, and Liam knows, and, and, and I know, when, when I went away at 15, we all went away at 15, you had to work and make, uh, make, your, make yourself really, really good to be signed yes. pro. Yeah, yeah. Well, That was the big thing. If you didn't sign pro, you were on the scrap heap. Yep. So there was an incentive there yep. to really work at it and to make sure that you're signed pro. Whereas the kids today, as Liam says, they're guaranteed uh, contracts at 17. Yes, whether they whether they're wasting their time or not in those two years, Eamon. Yeah. Like that incentive that we had to, to really work at it and to yes. make sure you sign pro and many many, not all young lads, but incentives quite a few, would be lost. Yeah, just to go back to my own situation, the 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 three of us who went away that that morning, it was the first of August nineteen sixty, uh we all went away. Uh, Jim Kyo um, didn't make it. And Jim was a very, very nice uh, fellow indeed. Um, I'm not sure if he's alive actually, but he was a very nice fellow. He didn't get a, a professional contract when he was 17 and he was working in a factory um, 
very shortly afterwards. I got on a bus one day in Manchester uh, and he was sitting there in his factory overalls, which was uh, quite a shock to me. Huey went on, had a, a journeyman career. He played for Wolves, he played in Scotland, uh, he played Scottish uh, Premier League football as our first division football as it was at the time. And I think he went on to play for, for Scotland uh, without having, and he played for Norwich as well. And in my own case, uh, I was there on a two-week trial, and it just shows you how tenuous this life can be sometimes. A two-week trial, there was guys who, all the great Scottish schoolboys, English, there was a fellow called Ray Hewitt who'd scored 170 goals in schoolboy football in England. Uh, he was just a goal machine who never made it at all. Barry Fry was there, of course. But all my trial came down to this. One day, out of the blue, well, I had about three or four days left before I was going home. Uh, Busby arrived, Matt Busby arrived on the training ground and it was in the afternoon and two sides were picked uh, and I played and I played out of my skin. I knew Busby was watching. Uh, it made me nervous, but somehow in that 40, and they took me off at half time. and Jimmy Murphy came over to me uh, and you know that place in Chorton, Chorton where the training ground was, John. And yeah. I was I was gutted. I thought I'd blown it. And Jimmy Murphy said, nothing to worry about, son. You'd be coming back. Uh, so in that 45 minutes, I changed my life it, it very dramatically. Uh, and thank God, I believe, for, for the better. But it's funny how tenuous these things can be at times, isn't it? Oh, yeah, if you don't make it at 17 in those days, I mean, you were on the scrap heap. No, but at 40, 40, maybe not 45 minutes, 30 minutes, supposedly he was watching, saw something mm. you liked. No, but I'm talking about generally, I Oh, mean, yeah, you know, no, these, no. Those yeah. players who could be, uh, you know, the, the, you got a lucky break in that particular <laughs> way. But yeah. there's lots of lads who, who, who some some uh, did come back from being released and, yeah. and, and made it, but... Uh, not very many, Eamon. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's and Eamon, tell us what happened to you then uh, uh, as it went. How, how long did you stay at Old Trafford? Oh, I stayed. Um, I was stayed. And when I was 17, I was, I was a good youth player, Liam. Um, I stayed, uh, signed a contract at 17 because that was the biggest, John says, the big objective. Yeah, that was the big, big target, wasn't it? To big get target. yourself a pro contract. Get, got yeah. myself a pro contract and a blazer. Um, and uh, my problem was I smoked. Uh, I didn't get get any other upper body strength. Didn't really look after my step, myself, um, and I had enough ability to be a player, but didn't have the physique. But I didn't leave there until I was I was there for five years, and in the end, I had to ask to go. But I was never Did going. Did you get to, a game in the first team? I was twelfth man before they had subs. Mm. I was twelfth yeah, man once that. at Notts yeah. Forest, but you didn't get changed. Um, I wasn't good enough. Uh, to play in the first team, I would have had the technical ability, but I, w I just wasn't good enough. Um, but I was, I was lucky, Liam, you know, and... Um, it, yeah, he went on to have a fine career, yeah. Yeah, well, some kind of career, uh, but it's better than what I might have ended up doing if I'd have had to come home with no skill set, mm. uh, work in a factory or something, um, which can be a grand life, and there's lots of fantastic people doing it, but... Um, that's the way the cookie crumbles and it's been totally fascinating uh, talking to both of you um, and especially uh, to well to you Liam because and to, to sort of measure the gap between what John experienced and you experienced uh, 16 or 17 years later things did change and they've gone on changing for the better haven't they Liam? 
Yeah, but John is absolutely right. I'm not too sure the players are getting better. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking all these guarantees that they have, uh, I would agree wholeheartedly with John. Uh, they take their eye off the ball. They think they've made it already, and they don't train on. And yeah. uh, that's why a lot of them um, you know, are big names. They think they're big names yes. when they're 15, and then they're, they don't have the careers that they should have had. You know, So that's the, that's the downside to it, Eamon, but... They are better looked after, without any doubt. And, my, and 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 me compared to you two, I was in paradise, wasn't I? <laughs> you were, yeah. Uh, John and Liam, I can't tell you how grateful I am to you for sharing that, those memories with uh, us. And I hope the listeners enjoyed um, that. Every word of it is true, and there's many, many more things uh, that are true. Uh, that we maybe talk about another time. I'd love to thank John and Liam, two great players, of course, went on to be great players and two great football minds and analysts. Uh, Thank you, John, Liam. Thanks to all of you who've listened to this podcast. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.